playback. Welcome back to Q Playback, and uh, I'd like to introduce my guest today, Tom Lark, so, uh, also known as Saint Hill. Um, welcome to the podcast, Tom. Thanks, Chris. It's Larky. Larky. This is my uh, Facebook name. You probably uh, that's true. Larky. <laughs> there we go. Uh, and what's the the etymology of that? What's the... uh, good question. Um, there's a few theories. One was that uh, like a lark, like singing, maybe in the medieval. Mm-hmm. Ages, the larky was like the singer, which makes sense for mm-hmm. me, maybe. But another um, idea is that they were in charge of keys, like a lock and key. Mm, okay, yep. So maybe like a dungeon wow. master or something. Yeah. Which story do you prefer? I like the dungeon one. <laughs> but also being this, the local bard or singer would be pretty cool. Yep. Um, and now you are quite local. Um, we only just worked out that uh, we're, we're within probably about 10 minutes walk of each other's yeah. places. <laughs> and um, never run into each other. Um, but um, you're not from here originally. Um, so you, you started out in Tasmania. Yes. Uh, so for those people listening overseas, Tasmania is a small island off the southernmost um, coast of Australia. Um Beautiful countryside, um, smaller population, historic towns. Um, what was your experience of, um, was it Hobart that you were based it in? It was, the yeah. Capital of Tasmania? Yeah. It is part of Australia, despite being <laughs> left off maps and so forth. Uh, growing up was, yeah, I, was, I grew up till I was like 20, I think I left when I was 23. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of nature, a lot of getting into the bush, a lot of making your own fun mm-hmm. um, as a kid. A really beautiful place to grow up. My family are all still down there as well, so I go down quite a lot. Um, but yeah, the music scene got into the music scene in my in my teen years. Mm. Um, you may be familiar with the sort of punk sort of rock scene in Hobart in the 90s was pretty... Uh, I was going to delve into a few bands that yeah. um, listeners might have known um, that I was aware of. Um, I think my earliest meeting with um, a Tassie band was Vox Sound, but I think they were from Launceston. Oh, well, uh, <laughs> we won't go into the Launceston <laughs> Hobart scenes. Thing. Um, um, uh, Paradise Motel, yep. um, All India Radio, um, Little Ugly Girls. Yes, yep. Um, and more recently, Heart Beach and Tiger Choir, um, yep. some of the, the bands that I've enjoyed from um, from Tasmania. Yeah. But Little Ugly Girls, they would have been more... That was 90s, yeah. along with, you know, Sea Scouts. Oh, of course. Nation yes. Blue. Yep. Um, Stickmen, kind of... Don't know them. Yeah, it was a sort of punk rock kind of vibe um, but I was too young I was only coming of age in that so yeah. I was sort of looking up to these bands by the time I started playing we were sort of influenced by Mogwai and mm. Slint and kind of post-rock yep. and was in an instrumental band Okay. back then um, but the thing about Hobart is the music scene is very small but very supportive and at least in my day, there was a healthy culture of, of heckling, but almost <laughs> as a way to kind of support each other. Yeah. It was really interesting. But eventually Melbourne, you know, the draw card of mm. the music scene and 
Melbourne drew me and that's when I moved over. Uh, on the topic of um, healthy heckling, uh, my best friend and I were um, almost thrown out of the old bar once <laughs> for um, healthy heckling. Oh, yeah. we'd, we'd turned up, it was, it was sort of after the Christmas rush and there was like almost no one there. Yeah. Um, and so we were sitting up the back and we try to be um, supportive of this um, folk duo in between songs. Saying, that was great. Was that about this and what about that? Yeah. And then you you, you kind of get the warning from the, the bar staff. Uh, maybe you want to think about moving on soon, gentlemen. It's like, we're just trying to be supportive. Oh. <laughs> Do you remember that? Oh, maybe you can't say who the band was, but I, I remember who it was. I think I'm still on Facebook with them. I'll, I'll put it in the um, episode notes if I can dig it up. <laughs> I think, like, I don't know, heckling, if it's if it's negative, it's a bad thing, but I think heckling and, and interacting kind of go in hand in mm. hand in a way, like, you know, a bit of that back and forth between the, yeah. the crowd. And if it's coming from someone you know, they're making a joke, I think it's, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. I have had a random person in Brisbane um, yell out between songs, do you have any happy songs? Oh, yeah. <laughs> She just said, well, I feel happy playing sad songs. Playing them, yeah. Right? It's cathartic. Yeah. Um, so post-rock. Yeah. Uh, what, in what capacity were you playing then? Was it um, guitar? Was your main instrument then? Yeah, I wasn't singing at that stage. Mm. I was just playing guitar. And, yeah, influenced majorly by Slint mm-hmm. and the kind of... Angle, angular, like chords, the demon chords, you know, <laughs> the the weird rhythms, um, everything dissonant. Yep. Um, and bands like obviously Mogwai mm. started to get me more into that like big melody and catchy. Didn't they just? Didn't they play last night? They might have. Melbourne. I'm too scared to see them because I. I've heard how loud they are. Um, my my next door neighbour was going, and I gave them some um, earplugs. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I would like to see them, but I think I'm just my hearing's not the greatest, <laughs> and I'm loath to do any more damage. Um, and so, getting to Melbourne, what yeah. was um, what was the transition like? Mm. Well, I. I moved over for the music, but as well just to kind of broaden my horizons. A few friends were moving over. And I tried out a couple in a couple of bands, sort of a, my old band sort of half got together and mm. just wasn't doing it for me. And I was slowly getting more into songwriting at that stage. So a couple of the songs had some vocals and then... At one point, I just sat down with my acoustic guitar and write some, wrote some songs and thought, this is where my, my kind of heart is. Feels right, yeah. And um, that was probably after being in Melbourne about five years and then I started writing sort of folk songs, essentially. This was around the time your Iron and Wine and your Bonnie Prince uh, Billy yep. and yep. all that is going on. So then that kind of drew me into that singer-songwriter mm. world. And so was some of that material uh, what ended up on I'm a Monster? Yeah, that's yep. that's it, yeah. yeah. There's a couple of really rough demos that never saw the light of day, and that was mm. the first set of songs I felt comfortable enough to put out. Right. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm sure that um, if you had put up those rough demos, then you just uh, get more cred for authenticity. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Maybe I'll put them out one day on, <laughs> you know, the B-sides and rarities. Um, and how long, do, how, how was settling into Melbourne? Because um, Melbourne can be fantastic with supporting its scene, but it can also be quite standoffish. Yeah. Um, I think, is it, um, oh, I've forgotten the name of this, the Sydney band. They've got a song, um, Return to the Land of the Folded Arms, which is uh, oh, describe, describing the Melbourne music scene that people that sort of stand up the back with their arms folded and not engaged. Yeah, you fair to, enough. You had to prove yourself to a degree. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I think, like, I've, my, I've never played to huge crowds or anything. So mostly when I play, it's there's a decent chunk of people I know there. Mm. So I felt pretty supported. And I actually am not a huge live performer. I'm mostly... Okay. Like, I've played a bunch live, but I've never been, like, a regular gigging-type person. Mm. I might do maybe three or four a year yep. when I was doing this sort of stuff. Um, my passion's always really been more in the, the recording and, yep. and writing. But, yeah, I guess I never really came up against that because of the scene I was in, sort of folkies mm. and stuff, and, um, yeah. Do, do you find that you're more drawn to the creative process? Um, Definitely. Yeah. I think with if you think about the music processes, sitting down with a guitar or a piano and writing something through to putting it out and playing a show, my favourite mm. part's the, at, the, right. yep. at the start, yeah. writing, coming up with melodies, refining stuff. But as you know, I'm in the middle of kind of putting out an album, mm. promoting it, and this is my... It's exciting, but it's also, like, not as fun in a way. <laughs> it's, you know, self-promotion isn't my strong point. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of artists do struggle with that and... Um... Some of the artists that I think should get the most, you know, sort of acclaim mm. probably the ones that shy away from that idea of oh, for sure. you know, success, whatever that is these days. That's true for when I think about my some of my favourite musicians, they're usually people I know mm. or are friends with yeah, and yeah. they've got this amazing music sort of sitting there with, you know, not many listens. Mm. Uh, yeah, one of my favourite musicians... Um, I get uh, like goosebumps listening to them play. Yeah, um, um, they're primarily a viola player, yeah. and uh, like I would just keep telling the world how incredible they are, mm -hmm. but that would be the first one to shrink back from those <laughs> comments. Um, yeah. So before we talk about the the new album, um, take us through your progression. Uh, so. I'm a monster, um, delving into that sort of first um, singer-songwriter folk uh, yep. um, territory. Um, Dear Victoria, mm -hmm. wh where did we end up with Dear Victoria? Yeah, that was um, first crack at a concept album. Mm -hmm. um, I'd been reading I As I Lay Dying by Faulkner. Okay. And that's uh, a novel written from the perspectives of different members of a family as the mother is dying and I pretty much stole that idea and then wrote a whole suite of songs about a mother who was dying mm. and 
had the perspective of her, her husband, daughter, the son, two daughters actually, and the dog got a song as well. Wow. And See, I'm way too self-absorbed to write from other people's perspectives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I pretty much have only written from, well, they're my own stories disguised in character yeah. narratives. Yeah. Um, so that was like a concept album and um, each song had a guest singer. So I had, you know, I had Marita from the Orb Weavers. Mm-hmm. She did a song and Oliver Mann was on another. Josh Armistead, all these great musicians yep. um, helped me out. And yeah, that was that, was that concept album. I did all the, my own production and could have been much better if I'd actually... Well, it's one of those hindsight things. Yeah, but th- that's part of the process as well, isn't it? Yeah, so, for sure. Um, yeah. The first time I heard um, Oliver sing, uh, he just called me and said, can you do live sound for me? I'm, yeah. Um, at the North Uniting Church, I think it was. Yeah, sure. It was a long time ago. Um, and, like, I don't do live sound often. It's only when a friend or a friend of a friend um, calls up. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, we were doing the sound check and I was just like blown away um, at his range and oh, depth. He's a full opera singer. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so on the on the topic of mothers, um, mm. your artist performer name yeah. links back to your mother. That's right. Um, so her maiden name, as they say, is Saint Hill, um, okay. spelt slightly differently. There's various spellings throughout our family okay. tree. Yeah. Um, so it sort of took that. I feel like, you know, your mother's name is still your name in a way, and it took that. Um, and the spelling was from uh, another relative who's now dead, Loudon St. St. Hill, who's mm. uh, a costume designer. So another creative in the in the family, mm. and I kind of like, and he spelt it that way to be unique, and I thought, oh, right. just... I'll just do that too. Um, yeah, that's how that name came about and it sort of just stuck and felt sort of matched the music I was making. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of evocative and slightly mysterious, maybe a little bit oldy-worldy. Yeah, it is. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, I think of other band names, you know, like the um, King Gizzard or something. I, was like, <laughs> I could never be called something like that, yeah. you know? Mm. Um, let's not go into my recent uh, COVID jam band that <laughs> took the most ridiculous name we could think of. Well, you've got costumes as well, so <laughs> right. you know you're really leaning into the cost, the concept. Um, and so after D Victoria, um, yep. Man Alive, yep, yep, so sort of another concept album in a way. And I think now that I'm speaking, they probably all are concepty. Mm. Um, that was, yeah, about, you know, the experiences of, you know, maleness or whatever. Mm. But um, I think it was just, again, a way to explore narratives about traditional, like, or stereotypical male tropes. So there's mm. a song about a bouncer, for example. There's a song about a guy who wants to go hunting. There's a guy who's um, on a first date. It sort of all tries to look at different perspectives. Um, at that stage, I was really into Sun, Kill, Moon and yep. 
sort of trying to copy his music. Mm. <laughs> There's always someone that I'm obsessed with. His music, but not his um, offstage antics. No, not his <laughs> sort of, yeah, he's sort of shown himself to be a little uh, questionable mm. in character, but his music, you know, especially back the, the, um, around the earlier albums. Mm. Um, and that, yeah, that group of songs came together. Um, again, got brought a few female voices in um, to round it out. And, yeah, it's probably my favourite album. Okay. Up until the one I'm just about to release, which yeah. is my favourite. But, yeah. yeah. Which is obviously the, the best album you've ever done and everyone Absolutely. should buy it. Yep. Yeah. If people still buy music. <laughs> um, it, it's interesting that, um, like, different people come at the ideas of maleness from... Um, different perspectives. So uh, even a recent show uh, we shared with an artist named Maisie was um, sort of looking at the idea of maleness and mm. it's, a, it's a bit more questioning and um, probably a little bit more disparaging. Um, yeah. You know, my band Hidden Currents had the song What You Left Me, which is about uh, what is left for men, if you try and pursue those traditional ideas of masculinity, which yeah, right, is not not much, and that that's that song is certainly not a nice, gentle, reflective song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it's it's more punk than in yeah, um, sure. probably anything we do. Yeah, um, so it's interesting that you were able to almost step back from that and and weave through through those stories. Yeah. Um, Interestingly, I got a review at the time and the the reviewer was like, you know, there's, there's a song about this and that. Interestingly, not really much, by the way, of a love song. Like it's, yeah, yeah I don't know what was going on for me, but there's like the, there's also yeah. one about a petty criminal, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting to think back on where your head might have been at any mm. at a point in time. I mean, I guess we could go into discussions about uh, is it the Greeks that have different forms of love and yeah, yeah, is it uh, Platonic love and mm. um, romantic oh, the the love of community? I can't love of family. Yeah, it's too long yeah. since I studied those <laughs> yeah. the classics. Um, yeah, so so maybe it, maybe there was a kind of love in the searching for. Yeah, uh, different I'll, forms of I'll take that. You know, what maleness or, or what people? Yeah, there's are. my favourite song on there. One of them is about a a son writing to his mother, um, based on a true story. My mum's a bit of a historian, and unearthed these letters from again a relative of mine. All the stuff I know about my family is courtesy of my mum. Right. Um, his name was Thomas Hunter, and he was writing letters while he was on a ship to his mother. Wow. And, and he ended up, the ship went down. Gee. And so um, I took those letters and turned them into a, to lyrics as well. That's called The Skeleton Castle, which was the name of the boat. Wow. But, yeah, so there's, you know, there's a mother-son, there's, like, that familial love mm. as well. There's a story in there. It's a pretty impressive um, back catalogue of stories and characters mm. you're um, pulling up, Tom. Um, the only 
sort of a semi-interesting story from my family history was um, my parents who, uh, when I was growing up, were teetotaling Baptists. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so no alcohol around the house yeah, yeah. and fairly strict. Um, uh, later in life, they did the whole, um, you know, trace the family tree and uh, they traced the Sprake family back to the Isle of Wight where they ran the brewery. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was like, Excellent. I'll, I'll take that one. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, Sprake's an interesting name. What's the etymology? Uh, I'm not too sure. Yeah. So that there's um, directly English, Irish, Scottish. Yeah. Um, but there's more Scandinavian um, in there as well. So they, mm. they think it might come from Sparrow Hawk or. Sounds cool. Something over over that side of things. But <laughs> they're, they're not, much, not many of us. Yeah, right. Um, um and before we get to Dream Animal, the new album, mm. it's just the the one album in between. So, folk romantic. Yes, that's uh, it's a yeah. That was a bit of a breakup album, okay. maybe. Yeah. Um, just come back from overseas. Uh, so there's a again, there's lots of character stories on there about lots of different things. It's not all about hmm. romance. Like folk romantic was this idea of folk, people, stories, but also the style of music in a way and romantic love and stuff, but also the, the sort of goth romantic mm. style of music. So it was this... Yeah. thought I was being very clever. <laughs> but look, actually, there's only like one or two songs on there that are sort of like breakups, mm. getting over it type songs, and the others are probably stories of, of relationships mm. um, when I think about it now. Again, drawn from experiences and then put into new characters. Mm. Yep. And if we're looking for a reference point, around that time I think I was heavily obsessed with Radiohead, who just put out Moonshaped Pool. Okay, yeah. And looking for that sort of minimal kind of approach um, hard panning on things. Mm, and, yep. Yeah. But yeah, I, it's, I like the album, but yeah. Uh, another progression in experimentation. Mm. It's also very meandering oh, um, in that I think only one or two songs have choruses. Mm. Um, and when we talk about Dream Animal, it's, that's almost the opposite. Mm. Yeah. And it's tricky because I think there are a lot of songwriters that uh, it's not that they don't like choruses, mm. but if you're wanting to tell a story, um, a chorus can sometimes feel like it's breaking up the story. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So the most recent single, um, "The Black Bull," yeah, um, and uh, that also has a wonderful video clip. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Now I'm going to jump in and say it feels a bit Fleet Foxy on yeah on the production side of things. Yeah. Um, for you, um, what is the Black Bull? Yeah. Well, I guess we'll talk about this maybe with the album, but the, mm. the origin of all the songs were dreams featuring animals that I'd had. Um, I'm a prolific dreamer. Mm. Um, and I write everything. I've got a dream journal and so forth. And I was noticing animals like, constantly coming. Was that something that evolved organically for you 
to journal, or was it something that was uh, like popular with uh, the people around you? Because I'd always done it. Yeah, since I was a kid, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, because, like, I've, I mean, I've, the closest I've got to journaling is the songwriting. Yeah. Um, but I, I've never thought to do that. Um, mm. And I've heard people talk about it and it's sort of like, oh, that's interesting, but I've never sort of driven to the it, point of actually yeah. doing it. So. It's, it serves two purposes. Uh, firstly, to remember them, like, you read back mm. years and you remember, but it also, the more you journal, the more you're thinking about dreaming and the more you think about dreaming, the more you dream, supposedly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the bull was in a dream and then I sort of took that for the metaphor of depression, mm. um, something to overcome slash make peace with. Yep. And uh, then developed the story where the narrator is battling them and they move to Spain to train to be a matador of whatever <laughs> but yeah they make peace and the film clip you mentioned is sort of representing that there's mm. two versions of me there's like red and blue colors. toms yeah yep. blue tom is sort of struggling and he's being chased by the bull and the red guy kind of comes and saves the day but it's still part of you mm. as well um and they make peace rather than overcome they end up dan mm. dancing with the bull um, the bull I dragged my friend whose name's Tom as well <laughs> along. Nice. He was quite Symmetry. keen to do it. Yeah. yeah. Look, if you ever want me to be in a video clip where I just drink some beer, eat some chips, <laughs> yeah. and, and it can be fairly obnoxious, I can do that for you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Fleet Foxes, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Absolutely. Um, just a, like sort of melancholic but upbeat, you know, mm. with, Sort of a driving base. Um, and on that topic of depression, like it's it's an interesting one that you phrase it um, as making peace. Um, yeah. Now we don't have to delve too hard into your life, but I think um, with uh, like we both have health or health adjacent. Yeah, true. Day jobs. Yeah. Um, and there's certainly. Uh, certainly over my working life being a shift in the way that we approach ideas like depression. Mm. Um, certainly not the just get over it and you'll feel better and, yeah. um, you know, um, have a drink and, you know, get back to life <laughs> tomorrow. Um, the stiff upper lip approach. Uh, yeah. Yep, absolutely. Um, and that, so I think that's a, a really healthy and interesting idea that you can say that, you can acknowledge that something's part of you. Mm. Um, and it's not, if you're not seeing it as always a struggle, always a fight, you always have to be some, uh, somebody else's version yeah. of what happy and content is. Um, if you can make peace with that part of you that you know, sometimes it's going to be crap. Um, yeah. And yeah. sometimes um, you're great. And sometimes that in those things inform each other. So, um, yeah, I think that's a really interesting thing. And I, I, people want to go and watch the video clip. It's um, it's great fun and um, yeah, beautiful. Thanks. Uh, where where was it filmed though? I was yeah, trying to work that out. It's in the Dandenongs. It's a little okay. secret place. Well, not secret, but I like to go there. <laughs> it's called the Hamer R J Hamer Arboretum. Okay. Uh, yeah. Past the Linda, and it's 
an arboretum is just a place where different types of trees are grown. Mm. So you get these little pockets of different forest types. Mm. You've got your pine forest, birch forest, you know, all in this one little area. I was almost thinking it was going to be out in Warburton, which has almost oh, yeah. been done to death with the, the forest Oh, with the forest there, yeah, no. But um, yeah, it wasn't, it was a little bit more sparse. So. Yeah, a little bit more mm. unkempt. Yeah. Uh, so coming around to Dream Animal um, and having that backstory of the, the mm. Dream Journal, um, you went into work with producer John Lee again. Yeah. Um, how did that come about or, or when did you first meet John? Yeah, so he he mixed my previous album, mm. Folk Romantic. I think I was put on to him by a friend, Esla, from Cold Hands Warm Heart. He'd worked with him. I think John had been doing Grand Salvo yep. or something. Anyway, maybe it was Jen, the harpist, who's Esla's partner. One of them put me on to John. Said he's really great to work with. And at that stage, as I mentioned, I'd produced my own stuff mm. in the past and was quite clueless about what mixing actually was. <laughs> right. I thought it was just tweaking a bit of EQ and yep. putting the levels up and down and... Yeah, there's people who whole people whose whole jobs is to be a mixing engineer, mm. and so came in with John. Firstly, he said we've got to re-record all the drums, yep. and he played yep. and re-recorded all the drums. And he's a great drummer. But then we got into the mixing, and he just sort of was adding like weird phase effects and drones, and like dropping notes so they like lowered in pitch. And I was like. It's sounding really weird, <laughs> but really big and full. And yeah. and then I got the mixes home, and then a week later I was like, these are so much better. <laughs> and so but the process of working with John is he's very cool, very interesting. Um, spend a lot of time just hanging out, talking mm. about, he likes to talk about aliens and surfing and nature. So you sort of just talk and then you try stuff and mix and I was sitting in there. It's a really nice mm. space. So It's, it's important yeah. to be working with someone that you trust so that you, those, you know, ideas that mm. can seem absurd or you're not sure of, you, you've, you've yeah. had that space to put them out there and, and sometimes they don't work but other times they're brilliant. Mm. But you have to have that creative space to share with someone. For sure. Yeah, maybe I'm... He knows what he's doing. He might have been purposefully just slowing <laughs> things down for that reason. Um, and he'd just recently done Lost Animals mm. album, which I loved the yep. production on. So anyway, I went back this time for Dream Animal. Um, I got him to do the drums again and, mm. you know, um, gave him the mixes and said, just do what you like, really, and got him back and only made a few tweaks, really. Mm. And you... Did record some at home again? Yes. So the, I, I noticed a few little notes about uh, having to wait until the birds went to sleep. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, I live in, as you know, in Fairfield, and we've got a, a row of trees behind my place, and these birds are gone <laughs> like all day. They start at five in the morning, <laughs> and they don't shut up till about eight o'clock. So, but they just they'll stop on a dime. Wow. Suddenly, okay, the birds have stopped. And then I'll I'll get going. 
because I do mostly condenser or right. like yep. everything except if it's an amp. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so for those listening that aren't some um, studio techs, uh, there's a few different types of microphones. Um, a dynamic is probably one of those ones you've seen singers holding close to their uh, their mouth when they're singing on stage. Um, then you've got um, ribbons, which are different again, but some um, ha- pick up less, but can be quite detailed when they're close to um, an instrument or an amplifier. Um, and a condenser, which is um, generally powered, but also um, sort of picks up a lot more detail and a lot mm. more of the surrounding area. So you're more likely to have them over the top of your drums or yeah. in front of an acoustic guitar. Um, they're a lot hot, um, harder to control the directional sound of. True. And you hear everything in the you background. Do. Yep. So if it's not perfectly quiet, um, you hear it. Mm. You, you might even hear Dorothy the cat on this episode again. <laughs> yeah. that, that would be episode number two if she does get get through. <laughs> um, most of this soundproofing in this studio is just for the cat. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It's very quiet in here. Yeah. Um, and so how many tracks have we got on the new album? Yeah, we have nine. Nine. Yep. Um, and like I mentioned, every song has a chorus. Mm. Uh, sell out. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> you sell out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I almost intentionally did it this time. I wanted to write some traditional verse chorus songs and yeah, they, they came out okay, I think. Uh, you, can, you can be a little bit more um, effusive. <laughs> yeah. No, they sound great. Um, and I, I guess even once again on the idea of artistic progression, like pushing yourself um, mm. to to write courses, choruses. Um, just before we um, started recording, um, I was talking about how with my current outfit, uh, it started as a COVID jam band, and it's a lot more upbeat um, yeah. than the other acts that I've worked with, and. It, it was a bit of an uncomfortable space to have to try and mm. move into, um, but you know, I'm giving it, giving it a go and, and just you know trying to be open to that. Um, We're talking about uh, upbeatness as well and tempo. Mm. I, if I sit down and write a song, which when I was recording the demos, I went and set a metronome to see what BPM right. they were, yep. and they were coming out. Almost every time at one thirteen, wow. it's like my natural yeah. rhythm, and it's just pretty slow. Mm. And so this for this album, I listened to some songs I liked um, by various artists, mm. like Arcade Fire and Slow Dive, and a few bands like that. Yeah, and figured out what tempo they were playing at, and I was like, "Are oh, they at one thirty six on this <laughs> sort of still quite chill but upbeat?" Mm. song so i purposefully wrote to these tempos that i liked so which is a different way of doing things yeah and, and pushed yourself once again out of like your natural space and yeah it's like it sounded really quick to me and now it just sounds normal mm. yeah yeah um on your video clip just to dive back there yeah. um you mentioned having uh pippa brian um put in a little bit of suggestions into it um, yep. 
Was there a little bit of the Wes Anderson's kind of vibe in there? I or? think so. I think, um, I mean, like it's kind of my visual aesthetic on that one. Mm. I think the top button done up thing, maybe that's, you know, a bit in the, the beanies <laughs> could be a bit life aquatic, maybe. Um, I think it was almost out of practicality. I wanted consistency because I was changing uh, out of costumes. Yep. yep be like, gotcha. Make sure all the buttons are done up, beanie, so don't worry about the hair. But I'll take Wes Anderson as well. And sort of a melancholy absurdism almost. Yeah. Um, I kind of like, you know, I like songs that have sort of goofy film clips, Mm. like um, some great like Augie March clips where they're sort of dressed up as sailors or something and... It's, you know, sort of, I don't know what the word is, but... Mm. Or um, maybe something like uh, Graceless by The National where they're all in full suits. Yeah. Having, uh, was it Nerf gun, water gun fights? Yeah, that's sort of, yeah. yeah <laughs> let's not take ourselves too seriously. Yeah. Um, I do have to say, though, um, is it a paid endorsement for Monster Energy drinks that <laughs> in the video clip? I didn't get any permission to put oh. Monster or Cheetos, which are both featured, because the Monster's got a... The bull, the Monster, has a pretty ordinary diet by the looks of things. <laughs> so if anyone out there is listening from either of those companies and wants to set Tom up with an endorsement... Um, <laughs> yeah. You can start the bidding at probably, what, 200000 yeah, and yeah. I'll only take a 5% fine, just fee, thanks. Um, <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, so on this album or, or any of the albums, um, what would you say was your most desperate moment of innovation? You've talked a little bit about um, going back to the click track or the, the metronome. Yeah. Um, and that's not quite desperate, but is it a bit... Mm. Like, this, this is generally where we get the playing live horror stories but um, right right um for yourself have there been moments where you've you've just had to improvise out of necessity or with the recording process or any part of the musical journey yeah um it's a good question about to improvise i think being a the home recording came about because i'm terrible in a studio mm. i get sweaty the red light gives me jitters yeah I can't play well, so home recording, despite it having its drawbacks of sound and maybe some quality, mm. the fact I can get the take that I want, yep. I think is more important. So I'll always try and, yeah, I'll, I'll um, think that's more important than being in a studio for mm. some things. Yep. The drums, I wasn't playing, so that was... Yeah. Helpful, they were done in a studio. Um, so I think through that and then you run into all sorts of problems as like with the birds or mm. um, you hear a buzz and you're not sure how to get rid of it and <laughs> I'm not an expert. And working out how to um, use a recording software, the whole thing, it's been decades mm. to sort of figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, often when um, artists are saying, should I buy this equipment or buy this setup? Or mm. The first thing I say is, what do you actually want to be doing with your time? Do you yeah. want to be focusing on recording or mm. do you want to be performing? Um, how is it going to work into your 
you know, your process um, because a lot of engineers and, and you know, mix engineers, recording engineers, they've been doing it for years. And so by the time an artist gets to the studio, yeah, it looks fairly seamless. Yeah. yeah. But starting from scratch is, is nowhere near. Um, so so it, it really comes down to, do you want to create that environment like you're talking about? Yeah. Um, and I come from a sort of punk aesthetic um, yeah. that whatever gets the product that you want and whatever your sound is, that that's your thing. Mm. Um, so I'm not... I'm not. I'm not the kind of engineer that will um, sit down with someone for a first conversation and say, "Well, you have to do it this way because this is the right way, and no one will take you yeah, seriously sure. unless you <laughs> do it yeah. this way." Yeah. Um, but you do have to sort of work out. Well, if what you're really focused on is being a performer and getting out there, spend yeah. your money on the studio. Yeah, absolutely. And then use the rest of that time focusing on what you want to be doing. Yeah. If you're trying to capture, as you say, that performance. Yeah. Um, then go for it. You need that time. Yeah. It would have cost me, I don't know how much per hour studios, yeah. but more money than I have to get the, <laughs> the takes I needed. Plus I do all the bass, all the guitar, all the keyboards, mm. um, all the vocals. So it's a lot of, yeah. a lot of time. Um, the piano, I got uh, another friend, Dave, to do. He does mm. a few... Bits of piano here and there across the tracks. Nice. Yeah, I did yeah. notice that on, on the, the lead single. Yeah, that's on there. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so what's the next single going to be? Are we allowed to talk about that yet? Or is there an yeah, embargo? embargo? No, no. That's, um, well, not really single. The album's coming out mm. on the 1st of March. Yep. There'll be a video for a song about a cat. Excellent. Called Cat Called Graham, as in Graham Parsons. I had a dream about a cat. He's called Graham. He went missing and it brought up the idea of loss and recovery again and, mm. um, you know, ideas of powerlessness over things, I guess. Um, but that's, yeah, it's a catchy one. It's upbeat. It was inspired by Arcade Fire, The Suburbs, the first track. Yep. It's like chamber pop kind of thing. Yep. It's got piano all over it as well. Um, so that'll come out with a video clip as well. Another fairly goofy video clip. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. And on, yeah, so March the 1st, pretty soon. Um, I, you know, I think we've, we've touched on this a little bit, but what are some of the other th important things that you've learned through all of this musical experience over the years? Because mm. you've definitely worked out that safe creative space for yourself yeah yeah worked out where you kind of want to be yeah uh, I, I guess one of the other questions would be like how do you approach the industry because it's a very strange time to be even talking mm. about what the industry is and isn't yeah like we were talking about before we came on about our day jobs mm. I've had a day job my whole life I've never yeah. really tried to become a full-time musician mm. and not even sure I've got it in me to be, to live that life. So I've always accepted, well, not accepted, I've, I like my job and mm. it gives me meaning. But music's it's a hobby, but it's, a, it's something I have to do. I'll always yeah. do. It's yep. a complete uh, instinctive drive mm. to do. 
So that gives me a bit of peace, actually, knowing that it's just it's a thing I'll always do. It'll always be there. I'll, I'm, I've already written songs for a new album, mm, yep. you know, on top of this one. So I'm not scared about it in that way. Mm. It'll always just be there. Um, so I guess that helps me make peace. And I guess the other big thing I've, along the way is that... It sounds cliched, but you really have to just make the music that you want to make. Yeah. Like if you try to fit into a sound, like, oh, I need to get on Triple J, so I need to <laughs> invest in a, a drum machine pad or whatever. Yeah. You know, the cliche. Um, but you're going to sound like everyone else. Yeah. And people are not drawn to, to mm. that. I think people are drawn to creativity and authenticity. So yeah. I kind of just feel comfortable making the music I want to make however it turns out mm. yeah well, that's great um so aside from like uh, this new album uh coming out is there anything else you want to plug at this point I, mean, I think we've touched on the the video clips yeah um so um, dream animal band camp yeah it'll be band camp it'll be on all the streaming mm. you know spotify whether you love or hate it, it'll be on yep. there. Bandcamp, where you can buy a digital copy. Excellent. Um, yep. It's a good way to support people. Mm. There won't be a physical version. Yep. I've thought about it for a while, but no vinyl this time. Yeah. Um, so it'll be on online. Uh, there'll be video clips. For merch, I've done a songbook. Oh, fantastic. So you can play along at home. It's a Every song for guitar, it's like those basic guitar chord books. Oh, nice. So I think that would be kind of fun. Yeah. I thought yeah. if I bought an album or I got home and I wanted to play along, that would be kind of cool. So there's a song book and um, I'll have a launch on 14th of April. 14th of April. At the Gasso upstairs. At the Gasso upstairs. Fantastic. Love the Gasso. Uh, so everyone get down there. Um I will be in the country then, so okay, I, cool. I will um, aim to be there myself. Awesome. Um, if I can get the song, bo- bo- song book in time, I'll uh, bring an acoustic along. <laughs> yeah, or just heckle from the audience. <laughs> That's right. That's fine. Yeah. Play something loud. <laughs> yeah. Play uh, something happy. Uh, now, will it just be you for this show? Uh, no, I'm going to get a crew together. Um, my two longtime collaborators... Dave on piano and Tam yep. on backup vocals. Still sorting out the rest. Yep. Because I don't As really have is. a in-house band, so, yeah. yeah. Well, it shouldn't be too hard to find in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, so, Tom, thanks so much for coming in today. And, um, yeah, everyone go and uh, find the new single, find the album on Bandcamp, um, support artists um, who are producing themselves. Uh, and as always, there's magic in the mystery of not quite knowing what you're doing. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Chris. Q Playback.